Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Today we're talking about hustling on your side hustle bringing on Tim Anderson, owner of Northwest Retention Systems. He's out of Port Angeles, Washington. He makes the Scout chest holder, which a lot of you have messaged me about and asked where I got it. This guy makes custom holsters for your handgun, specifically for elk hunters when you're hunting in grizz country. So we're going to bring him on. We'll talk about his products, but more importantly, we're going to talk about his family, his background, how he started his side hustle, how he's grown it in the last four years, how he has ambitions to make it out into the big leagues, leave his nine to five and do his side hustle. He's close, but he's not quite there yet. Talk about the learning curve, the systems, hopefully inspire some of you to do the same darn thing. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan, the fitness man. This is where we talk about hustle, discipline, delay gratification, staying accountable to yourself, working hard, leveraging elk hunting, and making yourself better every day. We use elk hunting as a gift, such it is, a gift in your life where you can wake up early and do things that you don't want to do in the name of better elk hunting. You can prioritize your life to where you engage with your family, you fill up their accounts with love, and you leave them in the fall to go chase elk in the backcountry and fill your freezer with the best organic wholesome protein source on the planet. Elk, Wapiti, love it. Guys, appreciate your support. You have a lot of options on podcasts. Do me a solid. Tell a friend about it. If you want to give us a review, I don't know if those even matter anymore, but I always look at those. I appreciate that. And let's get into paying a few bills and then get right into the podcast. We want to bring up blackovis.com. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE and you can save 20% on your purchases, game bags, arrows, trail cameras, whatever equipment you want. And then if the discount code doesn't work, there's a few items that you actually have to give them a call. And so if you plug in Elk Shape and it doesn't work, say you're buying like Sicky Gear, pick up the phone, give them a shout, let them know that you're Elk Shape podcast listener, and they'll take care of you over the phone. Booyah. Next, we have Vortex Optics. The Vortex Optics, maker of the Razer HD 4000 laser range finder that will give you a decimal reading if you are archery hunting and you can reach out to 4,000 yards if you're rifle hunting. Uh, they also make the UHD, which is comparable to any glass out there, yet a lot more affordable, backed with the VIP warranty. Vortex and I have teamed up together. If you want to rock some of their swag, they have these awesome hoodies. The sun flares, they have great shorts for training in. I use all their Vortex apparel. Uh, use the discount code ELKSHAPE, save 20% on their apparel. Thank you, Vortex. Kinetrek Boots out of Montana. That's a partnership I've had over over 10 years. When it comes to boots, they're very individual. So you have to try them on. Find a dealer or check out the Mountain Guides non-insulated. That's what I rock. It's a little stiffer, higher ankle, and it's great for elk hunting. I use those things year-round, and then I transition into the insulated when I'm doing late-season elk hunting, late-season mule deer or whitetail. Base map, thanks for the all the help with our mapping. We do so much e-scouting off their desktop, and I think it's arguably the best desktop version out there. I'd say that their phone app has replaced um, GPSs. I don't even pack a Garmin. I had someone message me the other day, ask me if I use a GPS anymore. The answer is yes, 
the one from my phone and I use base map offline I download whatever maps I need they have 14 different layered map options on the desktop version check it out it's super affordable all 50 states for $29.99 that's a steal of a deal and when you're comparing oranges to apples you get the same thing for $70 less than their competitors Matthews archery I'm rocking the verdicts I'm rocking the traverse I'm rocking the VXR 31 and a half and the 28 out of those four bows the 28 is what I've been taking elk hunting packs good shoots almost as good as the 31 and a half it's perfect for little short guys like me if you're a little bit longer draw check out the 31 and a half my arrows are tipped with grim reaper broadheads fixed micro Hades three blade the flight is awesome I don't believe in ranch ferry and the Ashby studies, I hear about that all the time on my YouTube channel. I like a little bit of a lighter arrow when you compare it to that. But my arrow is around 454 grains. I got a front of center right at 15%. I like to be in that 13 to 15% range. And I don't put an arrow wrap on the back. I use those custom elk shape AAE Max Stealth veins. And you can check those out on our website. And I've had nothing but great success over the years shooting animals with fixed broadheads. I'm fixed for life. Phelps Game Calls, I use the gray amp. It's kind of middle of the road. Uh, if I didn't use that, I'd probably use the black or the orange. I know Dirk wants you to buy the Maverick. That's a little more advanced. Same with Jason's. The pink is a little bit more advanced. And Charlie's purple is super advanced. I'm middle of the road. Average elk collar, good enough to get it done. That's where I'm at. That's what I recommend. And I do sell a few of those on my website if you want to check those out. And uh, thank you, Phelps, for all your support of the Elk Shape Camps. Baku e-bikes, we did a video a couple months back on how I customize a bike trailer for the back of my ATV. So I have my ATV and then I pack an e-bike behind it from Baku. And so if I hit a gate that I can't get my ATV around and it's legal for motorized vehicles, I use my e-bike. I use my e-bike when I enter antelope hunt, whitetail hunt. Uh, I go a long ways and we have a discount code ElkShape400. If you're in the market for an e-bike, please check out Baku. Made for hunters by hunters. ElkShape400 will save you $400. Take that savings and buy an extra battery. You'll thank me because you want to have a backup in case you end up going 50, 60 miles on one battery. You can swap out batteries and keep going further. Thank you Sika Gear for the support of the ElkShape camps. Giving away three core lightweight hoodies. My favorite top layer uh, at every camp we had six camps that's 18 that they gave me to give away thank you climate sleep systems has also helped out you listeners there's a call to action i get no commission off this it's elk shape 20 save 20 percent on their sleep systems i use their pillow their pad and their maxfield 2 tent when i'm spike camp hunting also tight spot and black gold out of montana gave me lots of gear to give away at elk shape camps in 2020 hope we can do the same in 2021 thanks for the support i do use the black gold pro site three pin slider has the double dial has a third axis adjustment super simple if you're not familiar with third axis we've done a, several videos on our elk shape youtube channel check those out learn and learn from my mistakes basically that's why i use the third axis now crossover symmetry elk shape 20 will save you 20 percent bulletproof your shoulder blades that's a good injury prevention for any archer or aging athlete last chance archery i have the the easy press in my man cave and i like to do my own tinkering AAE veins previously mentioned and finally Northwest Retention Systems. This is who we're interviewing today, Tim Anderson. If you use the discount code ElkShape, you can save on shipping and handling and get a custom holster sent to you. Without further ado, this is the Elk Shape Podcast. We're talking business, we're talking hustle, we're talking family, we're talking politics a little bit. It's going to be awesome. Enjoy the episode. Let me know what you thought. Hit me up on Instagram at ElkShape. Take care, y'all. Yo! Hey, hey! <laughs> We're here. We did it. <laughs> nice work, dude. You gotta love that, right? Just... Said, you know, I had a, <laughs> had a feeling. That's why we got started early, man. So uh, we're talking with Tim Anderson tonight. Tim, introduce yourself a little bit so we can get going on our conversation. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Tim Anderson, as as Dan said, owner and operator of Northwest Retention Systems. We're a custom holster manufacturer make a lot of outdoor gear for the outdoorsmen and uh, the hunters out there. A lot of innovative products uh, launched and coming. So family man. And uh, yeah. What's your nine to five, bro? Nine to five. I uh, It's kind of an oddball job. Work in the timber industry. And, well, it's not oddball, but work in the timber industry. And what I do is measuring great logs. So all the logs are coming in and out of the out of the woods, coming to the mills and the export market. 
up here in Port Angeles, Washington, I measure and grade everything. So basically, I'm uh, I'm the guy that goes and and uh, measures and then determines uh, net um, value out of a log based on you know natural defects that log has. Oh, okay. What uh, what do you got for logs, bro? Like, what's coming in the hopper into summer? So we've got uh, Douglas fir, hemlock, spruce, uh, red cedar, and alder, red alder, red alder, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Those five are the main things. Silver firs. Yeah, you guys grow that alder pretty good over there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> works pretty good. <laughs> Tell me about uh, how long you've been doing that and like seriously what when you started doing it and like kind of like take us through the side hustle because this side hustle is catching fire man yeah it is so yeah i'm gonna back up just a little bit if you don't mind uh with the with the job so i i've been in and out of jobs i'm pretty uh on my own doing i I just uh never got fired or anything i just uh get bored easily did a lot of construction, uh, born and raised in construction, did all that, did lots of jobs in construction, cell tower construction and stuff, but uh, uh, moved around. My wife and I got married super, super young, but uh, moved back eventually to Port Angeles, Washington, and then started this job August 2016. And like a couple months later, or no, yeah, a couple months later, I started Northwest Retention Systems. So I've been at this nine to five for, for four years now, pretty much. Well, actually, it's 31st, so yeah, four years. And so that's about how long we've been with Northwest Retention Systems. Dropped into that. I uh, was super unhappy with with what was with what I had, anyways. You know, I was I was getting into a lot of a lot of shooting and stuff, and I uh, didn't have a very good setup. Looked for a new setup, saw it, figured out the material, what it was. So I was like, well, you know, I could make that, you know. So I took and ordered up some stuff and, you know, baked out my wife's kitchen in the in the oven and and I did a lot of crazy shenanigans getting started. But yeah, it's going in quite the thing. Um, I started out with a bad holster, didn't like it, and so I started making the holsters and then decided I could do this as business. So I made that decision. Uh, got all legit and. And started throwing myself out there, started started gaining clients and sales, and we kept pushing from there. Shortly after that, the scout, which you've got, that, uh, I was out hunting, and I had my backpack, and I was having the biggest trouble with my pistol, where to have my pistol. And I had some fang-dangled things I was doing with the pistol that just weren't working. So I, uh, I was like, well, I am a holster manufacturer now, so... <laughs> So I developed the scalp um, to solve some serious issues, which uh, resonates with a lot of other people. Yeah. Why do you think you're getting bored? You think that you're just punching a clock or you're just, that's your personality. You like, do you like to keep it fresh or at the end of the day, what are you super passionate about? I guess. I just, I squirrel off is, is my thing. Um, I like to be challenged and, I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. Like I've always been one for business since I was a little child. And so business has always been something I wanted to do. And, and so I just decided to, to, to go, to go the business route and try to get away from, um, given a job, my time, not that that's a bad thing. Cause I think that that's great, but I wanted to make my own, my own destiny, my own businesses and manage my own time to make money on my own, if you know what I mean. I certainly do. Yeah. Well, that's pretty exciting. The holster business, man, that's, were you shooting competitively or just pretty recreational? Like what made you jump? Like I need to solve this problem. It really wasn't a big, you know, big moment. It wasn't some, you know, unicorn thing. It was just, uh, never shot competitively. I just did a lot of shooting and, and in the process of doing a lot of shooting, my draws and et cetera, et cetera, the equipment I had just wasn't enabling me to do very well by my standards and, or that I put on myself for standards, you know? And so, like I say, I, I, it looked like there was a market for it and I thought I had solved some problems. I could solve some problems. And so, you know, it's part of being an entrepreneur, I suppose, solving problems. Man, I've battled with carrying a handgun because I have hunted, a lot of elk country that just doesn't have grizz. So for me, it just 
not a not a concern. I'm not really worried about black bears. I've had my run-ins. I've had bears several times ruin my camps, get into my stuff, run into moms, but I've just never had any like major issues. And so I would potentially throw the handgun in every once in a while, but I wasn't super consistent. And then I think you know about that one incident where I had a wolf come by my daughter at 40 yards and I filmed it and I didn't have anything on me like a, like a total idiot. Ever since that moment, I've been like, all right, carrying a handgun is not for me. It's for my family. I need to come out of the woods safe and I just need to always be strapped if I'm in the woods, just bottom line. And then shortly thereafter, we got connected and I've been rocking that scout and it's so convenient and comfortable that I don't even know it's there. I even wear my bino harness over the top. So kudos to you for the design. It's awesome. Uh, I just ordered another one from you, and this one's going to fit my 44 mag for when I am in grizz country this year. I'm actually hunting a lot of grizz country, and that Glock 23 ain't going to cut it in grizz country. But uh, I will be bringing bear spray too. I think a lot of people think, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Tim. A lot of people think, oh, I'll just carry a gun. I don't need bear spray. And for me, it's bear spray first, followed by the gun. Maybe I can shoot the bear while it's eating me or something, you know, to pass the time. But a lot, I don't have a lot of reps with my handguns. I don't, pr you know, practice a ton of muzzle control and do a lot of shooting scenarios like I do with my bow. So at the end of the day, with an elevated heart rate, full of adrenaline, fight or flight, completely on board in a bear situation, I'm probably going to have more success with bear spray. What's your thoughts? Uh, I, I, I would, I think I would agree. Uh, I don't, I've never been in a bear attack, but I have also talked to many people and, and the data that I've collected inadvertently has been bear spray works better, um, than, than pumping a couple shells into them. So, um, but I mean, I tell you what, like like your thoughts are exactly it is nice to have you know a backup on a backup you know as they say two is one and one is none and the nice thing about that scalp is you know it's nice compact on that chest so it's like if you're you know if you were rolling around it's more than likely still on you and you could still access it you know even if you don't have the backpack on etc etc so if shit got pretty bad you still got it and so you know options are important yeah, and I think, you know, carrying a fairly large magazine, that's relative, but, I, you know, mine's got 15 rounds. So maybe I'll have an opportunity to give a warning shot or two, and hopefully that would deter any potential bear encounter. But um, if a bear's right on top of you, like my buddy Bob Lagasa came on the podcast. He's out of Hayden, Idaho. Dude got munched by a sow a couple years ago, and uh, he was just kind of in that Ennis Valley where it's real thick with bears and they just were walking through thick brush and they were elk hunting and it was late September and he literally just went around the corner and there was the cub and the other cub grizz and next thing he knew mom was on top of him and he he had bear spray he sprayed the bear but he also his buddies were spraying bear spray he was getting sprayed with bear spray and it was over before he knew it uh, if you guys want to listen to that podcast, I'll leave a, a link to that show. But I remember him saying, like, once it was over, he was kind of like, well, I want to – that was crazy, but let's go elk hunting. And he's like, grabbed his bow, and his arm wouldn't work. <laughs> and so he ended up having to need immediate surgery. He got chewed up pretty good. And he was then he was in the hospital, and then I think he got treated for rabies or something. I can't remember. It was a long time ago, but – it could happen to anybody. Uh, how many attacks have there been this year? I can think of at least five. I, you know, I've actually haven't looked at the numbers this year. I mean, the, the chances, as we all know, like the chances are pretty minimal. Um, and they obviously go up when you get over in uh, certain areas. I know in Montana and, um, you know, but just, you know, you know, having that option really is important. Um, bear spray and a pistol, um, kind of what you're saying about rounds, uh, you know, having a higher capacity, uh, in my opinion, is actually kind of better. Um, you know, if a guy could squeeze out some uh, more rounds in that adrenaline state, I think um, is better than than missing uh, missing every one of your high powered shots. You know, with a with a bigger bore revolver. You know, but uh, either way, you know, handgun cartridges are pretty 
are are pretty nilch in, in consideration to like a high powered Magnum rifle, you know. Yeah. But you know, no one's carrying a no one's carrying a three seventy five ram on their on their uh, on their chest, you know. So. Yeah, I just I'm pretty sure there was a bear attack just out of Great Falls area last week, and I think that was like number five. And there will be some more this elk hunting season. It's inevitable, and if we can't manage bears with like as far as hunting dollars go. Mm-hmm. it's just going to continue to go up. Uh, we, they're expanding their territory and they're pretty, they're pretty much the apex man. And I don't know, boars don't scare me as much as mama bears, man. Mama bears are just, they're rude. They're nasty. They're ferocious. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, not that we, we came on here today to talk about, you know, preparedness for bears, but I think, a, I think a gun is good for a lot of instances, but it's just, not a smart idea to do what I did for so many years and literally just not a care in the world hunted in lots of bear wolf country without a handgun and just a bow. And so I'm trying to do a better job of that. Just, you know, maybe it's a maturation thing, but, or maybe it's that wolf incident where there was nothing I could have done if that wolf came at us. Not that I thought a wolf ever would, but you never know. Yeah, man. Have you got a lot of reps as far as elk hunting at all in Montana or Wyoming, especially Northwest Wyoming where, those things are pretty prevalent. Um, I have definitely made holsters uh, for people who did tell me that's that that's that is th- that that's where they were going. As far as reps go, no, um, I don't have anyone. Uh, we might be doing a deal with a gun shop in Wyoming, and that might help uh, get get guys uh, outfitted for 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 there. But uh, the answer is no, not really. Yeah. Okay. So, what is your elk hunting background? It's uh, it's really kind of fallen off here actually lately, uh, but I have uh, hunted a couple of years in the past. I did uh, uh, snag a bull down in uh, uh, the Mount Adams area down there by the Columbia uh, several years ago. Um, see, and that was with rifle. I haven't uh, I haven't quite got into the bow hunting yet, um, but uh, yeah, just uh, I'm 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 only uh, see I'm 20. Oh, I just turned 26 years old. Um, I haven't been around too long. And so I haven't had, you know, 20 years rocking and rolling in the hunting world. Um, but yeah, like I say, I've, I've, I've spent a couple of years elk hunting, uh, kind of dove off here recently, these last two years. Um, mostly actually pretty much all because of the business. I decided I needed to, to unfortunately take a break and, uh, and focus more time on the business. Cause I definitely don't like to half-ass things. So I didn't, uh, I didn't want to half-ass my hunting. And then half-assed my business as well, so I had to make a crucial decision to 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 take a break for a bit. Yeah, Tim, that's a good call. Honestly, that's a lot of maturity to do that. Um, of course, my advice is to not do that because there's only so many September's in your life or or elk seasons. But I got mad respect for the hustle. Um, I want to break down your business a little bit. So take me through like your year one, year two, like just kind of learning the ropes, getting your systems in place. Have you hired anybody? How long does it take you to make it? Was it tough to track down supplies? Like I want to know about your business, man. Yeah. So first year, I mean, I hardly, I think I I would get a sale like every two weeks. Um, I didn't hardly sell anything the first year getting started. There's actually quite a bit of support for this, uh, business for this, for this style of business and these types of types of products so there's a handful of suppliers that i have that were super easy to get get into and you know almost immediately order materials and everything that i needed to start making um definitely started out rough for sure um i really ought to post some uh some original photos of some original holsters and looking back now they look like garbage yeah um you know that uh, is where you look at improvement uh the first year definitely huge learning curve the first year um, we think we did about, uh, like $3,000 in sales in that first year. And the accountant, when I did the taxes kind of laughed at me, but I told him just wait. And, uh, <laughs> but we, uh, the next year still learning, uh, built a bunch of systems for, uh, for processes, uh, as far as making things quicker and getting better definition on the holsters. Um, and really upgraded a bunch of equipment that second year. Uh, kind of trip about tripled the sales and exposure uh, the second year, and then the, coming into the third year, we're kind of we've tailed out the third. We're going into the fourth year now. The third year, we really upgraded 
uh, a lot of the systems and it takes, well, I'll get to that in a second. And, uh, and tripled again, tripled again, the third year. And that's when we started talking. I, I, and, it, and the reason I started talking to you is because of that, that video post about that wolf being out there. And so I was like, well, I think, I think, uh, Mr. Dan needs a something or other. So, uh, but process, it takes about, it takes about 45 minutes, um, 45 minutes on, on a, on a, everything's going smooth and you, and you're rocking and rolling, uh, 35, 40, 45 minutes, depending right in there to, to whip out a holster. I have uh, several people that I contract out that, uh, do my sewing, that everything to my spec, I bought a bunch of machines and stuff and then, and then hire people to, uh, make, do all my sewing for my straps and, and my leather working and stuff like that. And so I have a, couple uh contractors if you will doing that stuff um hopefully we'll bring that stuff in-house uh by the end of this year if not going into the next year and then uh we're pretty we're really close to hiring hiring somebody and i'm really close and i mean really close to dropping off uh the nine to five and and taking that big leap of faith and and just smashing hard on it um uh, with the with the business um so like right now i got three employees but they're not technical employees they're just contractors if you will that uh do all my all the stuff that that i can't handle it's basically it's all sewing and leather working and then and then i hire my nephew uh on the weekends um he'll be here tomorrow we'll be uh smashing out holsters all day tomorrow a couple podcasts back where i brought rich uh out the rich outdoors guy his name's cody rich uh, you ever heard of him in his podcast? I don't think I have. Yeah, he's one of the he's got one of the original podcasts in the hunting industry. Good dude, wicked smart, like annoying as far as how smart he is. But um, I mean that in a complimentary way. But you know, we have a great podcast discussion on guys like you and and working on your side hustle and when to jump in. And one of the things he brought up that I thought was a valid point was like your moat, which is like creating like a defense around your business um, and making sure you're not vulnerable. Uh, and so have you thought about maybe some people call it a SWOT analysis, your strength, your weaknesses, uh, et cetera, et cetera. What are your vulnerabilities in your business? Where do you think like there's some weak points that you could attack this, this forward year? Uh, weak points would be uh, being able to keep up with production. I mean, I'm pretty on top of it right now. I've always advertised the lead time. Um, but right now, I've advertised two to three weeks lead time, which is, by the industry standards, is super, super low. But, I mean, currently, the last two weeks, I've been pumping out uh, within two to three days of the order. Uh, wow. Which is, fan which is fantastic, which is where I want to be, which is what I want to do. I want that custom, quick turnaround. Um, but a weakness would be uh, getting big surges and then obviously growing like I want to is being able to handle that that amount of surge. So a more equipment infrastructure is a weakness. And then when that ties into, you know, training someone to do what I do, um, I, I need to upgrade some more equipment and get some new equipment and some CNC machinery in in order to simplify a lot of processes so that I can handle uh, bulk, uh, higher quantities and still keep that perfect crisp, clean quality that I'm known for. And so that's definitely a weakness uh, that we're, that we're working on. And then another weakness would be uh, creating systems um, that will allow me to, you know, keep track of inventory better um, accounting and, <laughs> and uh, logistical things like that is definitely another weakness that will be, I just had two meetings with two people the other day to help solve both of those issues. So we're definitely actively trying to take care of the weaknesses um, for sure, because as I scale, they're, they're going to expose themselves even worse or even more so and become a big problem. So I'm trying to solve those things before, um, as much as I can, before things get crazy. Yeah, I think you're on top of it. I really do. Uh, the, the whole premise of your company is custom. You're not buying something on a shelf. You're buying something that's custom made to the handgun that you are carrying and there's a lot of options out there, but because you've been in business for four years now, what are the top five handguns that you make for? Top five handguns would definitely be a handful of Glocks. Uh, your Glock 
nine millimeter frames, your 17s and 19s, like what you have, those those nine millimeter 40 frames, sell those. That's like a number one. Number two would be uh, the Glock 20, the 45 and 10 millimeter frames. I those two are by far the top sellers. Is those two Glock frames? I do a lot of Smith and Wesson shields as well. Uh, that'd be three. Uh, Springfield, those, those Springfield, uh, new 10 millimeter, 10 millimeter Springfields and, and other larger frame Springfields are also very popular. Um, that'd be four. And then 1911s would be, would be like number five. Those would be the top five for sure. Yeah. And so you got to be able to figure out a way to kind of have those top five in bulk. Um, but then again, people are still ordering, like maybe they want a bright orange cover. Maybe they want a cryptech cover. What all do you offer, man? You know, some would say too much and I would, I would almost agree, but that what makes, that's what makes me special. Um, I offer hundreds of options really? um, or thought, well, actually I actually offer thousands of options. If you, if you count all the, all the configurations possible with the hundreds of molds, uh, fire models that I offer for. So, I mean, you've got all your Cuyu, Cuyu Verde and Vias. The Cuyu Verde, that is by far the best seller uh, as far as like prints go. Yep. Um, but I sell a lot of prints. So I got your Cryptex, your Multicams, your Cuyu. Um, I mean, there's so many more camos that I can get, but that's kind of where I draw the line uh, with the camos. And then I've got prints, American flag prints, don't tread on me prints, all kinds of prints. They got every color in the rainbow, you know? So, and, uh, and that's where the system's going to come into play is developing systems to where I could easily form, uh, things uh, quickly because of so many options. And that's where I'll kind of tie into my last, the last question there, but no doubt. I think the, the Scout's pretty slick design. How long did it take you to kind of figure out where to put the straps? Because it is pretty slick. It goes right over your chest. The very first time I put it on, I had to, like, kind of figure out how to do it. And then now I got it down. But, like, how much monkeying around did you have to do to get that just so right? Uh, it took a few months, for sure. It took a few months, and then I and then I ran with that, with that prototype uh, for a little bit longer just to make sure I ironed out all the kinks um in it but yeah it took me about uh i'd say i'd say it took about three four months uh between the initial uh concept to a successful prototype you know between all the materials used um you know believe i mean people you know people who aren't in business to develop a product like this that it looks fairly simple but i tell you what it is not easy <laughs> it is not easy just to just drop in and you're like oh yeah this is the way it's going to be and bam um, so yeah, it definitely took, took three or four months for sure. Do you think more people go with like a scout model where it's on the chest as a chest holster, or do you think you're selling quite a few that go on the hip? The scout is by far the best seller by far. Um, if, if, if you're talking as far as like the hunting, like putting on a hunting pack or something, is that what you're contrasting? Yeah. Cause I mean, if I wouldn't put it on a hunting pack, it's not always, I mean, I would probably try to wear it on my like belt on the side of my hip, but man, that would suck to have a backpack over the top, but I know the guys do it. Some people put their, their holster on their backpack, but yeah, you know, there are times your backpacks off. I don't know what I just trying to get a sense of the market and what people are, what, what options they're going to go with. Yeah. The options the the scout has since I debuted it, the scout quickly took over my bestseller. I that's, I mean, the scout is like I say, is by far the bestseller by far. So, I mean, nine out of 10 orders is going to be a scout. Okay. So it's literally that significant because there's a good option for the, like the, the hip belt on a pack. Like I've seen some pictures on your website and dude, that looks like a pretty slick design as well. Yeah, it, it works super well. It basically I took my concealment holsters or, and, um, which are already naturally curved, already very compact. And, and I just, I, and my, the manufacturers that I, I deal with have are, have new attachments and they're just molly attachments they're just you know three quarter inch wide straps that you can funnel through larger straps or molly strapping and hook back to itself and those attachments readily go right on to the holsters that i have or that i already manufacture and it all lines up with that same hole spacing so i'm able to offer uh multiple attachments that you could swap in and out for my other holster lines um 
but yeah, it works extremely well. But like I say, those I'll sell 20 scouts before I sell one of those. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we're talking about trying to get together and get on a, a project together for maybe an elk shape scout holster, uh, not to get everybody too crazy excited, but it's in the works. We're working on it. We'll, we'll, it'll get to market. I think it'll do well. I think a lot of people, at least my audience, man, they're pretty hardcore. They work really hard. And I think they can see the value of, well, family is the number one thing at this podcast, like faith and family, then elk hunting. And I, I just don't think we have an option as men and women to just leave without some sort of self-protection. And I'll be honest, man, like I kind of want to get my concealed car- uh, carry permit which is a little bit of a headache because I live in the same state as you. Yeah. I literally, the more you watch the news, it just, I could see myself wearing that scout. I mean, it's in my truck at all times. So just slap it on when I'm out and about. And I don't think it's weird. Do you? I don't think it's weird. And when, you know, if you wanted to go kind of incognito, you know, it was never designed as a concealment holster, but it actually does okay uh, if you just zip a coat up over it or, or a vest, like you can literally wear a vest, a no sleeves vest, and you don't know that unless, unless it's an ultra tight vest, like you're just wearing a regular car vest or something, you don't know that that's under there. Like, you know, you, you can zip up a coat and, and I'll, and I will run. Like when I go jog, I literally will wear it. And I, and I got a full size handgun, uh, Smith and Wesson with a light on it. So it's just as heavy it's a little bit heavier than the, what you're rocking and, and that also works as well. Um, but no, I don't think it's weird. You know, I mean, you're jogging a trail and like I had my brother one time, he, we were, he, he had a cougar jump out literally 20 feet from him and square off with him, which jumped out off onto the trail and squared off with him is is the most bizarre thing. Um, but you just, ne- and then I had my uncle who was up in the, up in the high timber and, same thing. He had a, a cougar jump out on the trail in front of him and square up with him, which is extremely odd. But I have two relatives that have had that happen to him. And ironically, my uncle had has a scout and he wasn't wearing it. And I chewed him out pretty hard for it. No way. Yeah, dude. I think Washington, if you just look at this state, the amount of cougar encounters is like insane. Somebody died. I don't have it right in front of me. But I'll I can look it up if you guys want me to. It's but some dude died in Oregon and Washington almost in consecutive years from a cougar attack. Yeah, Bo- both are yeah both our states Washington and Oregon they're ran by the your side of the the mountains quite honestly like the Seattle and the Portlands. So with that being said, like it doesn't make sense for a lot of those people that are unattached to like yeah why would you be able to use hounds and kill cougars? That's terrible. Um, and so, and you can't bait bears and you can't run hounds on bears. So we got a lot of cougars, dude. And, um, oh, for sure. You, if you expect hunters to kill very many by just incidental, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. So it ain't going to happen. We'll probably see more of that, but that's a great, I didn't even think of like wildlife and a cougar squaring off. Um, I hope a cougar tries to square off with me when I have my scout on. That would be great because in Idaho, a lot of times you can use your elk tag on a cougar during that season. And it's, yeah, that's a cool little deal where you guys can look, look into that more. Don't just take my word, go read the regs, but you can take a cougar with your elk tag. You'd have to go back to town afterwards and get your elk tag reissued, but you could use that. And it happens. I have a couple of buddies that have called in cougars while elk hunting and they killed them with bows. Uh, there was a guy in Washington, I think two seasons ago, up in Colville, who called in a cougar, had a tag, shot it, but his arrow went through two cougars, and he didn't even know it. And so he got two for one. He called Fishing Game, did the right thing. They came out, no charges, no no tickets. But, but uh, yeah, it's uh, they're definitely a growing population. We're not they're not being managed properly. But I don't see that changing in this political environment that we're here in washington no and it's 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 virtually impossible to to get people to understand how nature works and conservation it's super frustrating it's like they just don't get it like i mean this is the same people that that think it's it's crazy for you to butcher your own meat you know just go buy at the store these are the same people you know it's like it's hard to get 
it's hard to get past that barrier. No, it is. And yeah, I, I try to stay out of politics just because I am pretty unfiltered and I'll piss people off. And I try to never post anything on social political because I'm not going to change really anyone's minds. And for those listening that post political stuff on social, you're not changing anyone's mind. So you're really just wasting. I've had to talk to a couple of relatives that are very uh, political post on social, especially Facebook is probably the worst. Uh, try to stay off there as much as possible. But let's transition away from that and talk about you and your family. Dude, so you're only 26. You got married young. How old were you? And, and do you really have four kids? I really do. Uh, I really do. Yeah. So my wife and I were, were high school sweethearts. We uh, started dating when uh, when we were 16 and we got married when she was like two weeks, 18, like barely, barely 18. Uh, we, <laughs> we definitely tried to get married. We had a big meeting with all the parents. We tried to get her dad to sign off uh, so we can get married sooner. Uh, he never did, but, uh, we got married two, three weeks after, after, uh, she turned 18, but yeah, we got married and, and we moved to Minnesota, um, after I finished my, uh, my, uh, the trade school that I was doing right out of high school, moved to Minnesota and she ended up getting pregnant in Minnesota. And then we bounced around between a handful of jobs and we've, uh, in the process, we've had four kids. So, I mean, by the time I turned 21, I had two kid, two children already, and a uh, daughter and a or a son and a daughter, and then my and then two more after that. My youngest daughter is, uh, well, she's a year and a half. So, um, yeah, yeah, four kids, four beautiful, awesome kids, love it. Um, no more. So, I mean, I did come from a family of. Uh, I got eight brothers and a sister, so yeah, I come from a. Uh, I got nine siblings. Oh wow! And oh yeah, it's crazy. And I got I got two siblings who both between or each have eight children. And uh, so there's a lot of stick. I get a lot of questions. Just kind of in my in my local scenario and uh, family scenario, I get a lot of, you know, when's the next child child due? And I'm just like, nope, you know, because I got the the special procedure done. So. Yeah, four kids. Hopefully that's that's it. If, and uh, yeah, like I said, started young. Yeah, but you did. If you think about it, though, I'll be 42, 43 when the youngest is 18. Yeah, yeah if dude. If you think about it that way. You got, yeah, but I, I don't know. I've been observing my folks, my wife's folks, and there's always divorces and stuff. So you got a set of in-laws over here. You got a set of in-laws over there. Same with my wife over here, over there. It uh, seems like some of those kids move back at home quite a bit. I don't know when you actually get to shake them all out and you're actually empty nesters. It seems like for a little while there, some of them are coming back and forth. For but you're you'll be 42. See, I'm almost uh, I'm almost 39, and I got little ones, man. I got a six and a four. And see, I I liked the weight approach for me because uh, you were probably forced to grow up pretty fast. I mean, for me. I got to be young and dumb for quite a while, get some stability, sustainability, and my kids, uh, my kids got it good and almost too good, which just sounds maybe weird, but like I, I think about that sometimes, you know, Tim. Like, do my kids have it too good? Am I growing a bunch of softy, pansy, weak little got it too good kids? And so, like, that's something that I think about a lot. Does, does that cross your mind? Oh, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, I mean, definitely growing up, I mean, I mean, I worked so much as, as a, as a young man. I mean, and, and we, I grew up on a farm and, you know, we, I mean, I was every morning, I'm milking cows and, and throwing hay up into the field, uh, for the rest of the cows. And then there's pigs and there's chickens and, and a garden. We always had a garden, a large garden and, uh, you know, a couple acres of a lawn to, to mow and, and everything else. And I, and, and doing all that as a kid, doing a lot, a lot of work. And, uh, and my children, I mean, I just, in contrast to my childhood and then looking at theirs, like, I definitely think the same thing, Dan. Like, it's like, am I, I hope I'm not raising a bunch of softies, you know, like it's, they definitely, you know, I, I don't think they're spoiled. You know, I definitely discipline my kids. They kind of get away with a few more things that I wouldn't have. Agreed. Agreed. 
I do. Um, and my hardest is my son, which is crazy. I'm sure it'll switch when my daughter turns 13. Uh, she's pretty much an angel. I've said that on this podcast so many times, but, uh, my daughter's super easy, super smart, very obedient and just really soft hearted, good natured. And my son is just a freaking terrorist and, um, gives us challenges every day. But I like talking about family on this podcast because, you know, it's not always about just going out and killing elk, you know, families. That's why I brought you on. I wanted to get guys more concerned about packing a handgun in a place where they actually could utilize it if they needed to, not for their own safety, but so they can return home. And then talking about just being, you know, being a parent in this, in this day and age through the COVID stuff as well, through homeschooling, through the lack of leadership in our government and people not able to make decisions or give solid guidelines as to how to tackle COVID, it's been frustrating. So uh, I do think School starts and ends inside your four walls of your house. Oh, for sure. 100%. So whether or not they, the kids actually end up going to school or whatever, I know that it's on us to really help their education. And I guess looking at my – if I had to give myself a grade as a parent, I would say like the my biggest thing that I that I do regret is like having – these kids have so much access to Wi-Fi and they have and even at these young ages, they know how to use a phone, an iPad and the TV in the living room. And we got a TV in my bedroom. They know how to get on Netflix or Disney Plus or all the other streaming things that my wife signs up for. I don't even know what we have. And dude, they can consume that in such large quantities that'll make you sick. Oh yeah, and uh, it's been super nice. Uh, we just moved into a into into a, into a house. We 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 bought a house like three months ago, and we don't have very good service in our house, and I mean no service really. And there's no Netflix anymore, and there's no streaming nothing. And it's been great because my kids will take in in the mornings. You know they'll take and flip on flip on Netflix and pick their shows and go crazy and, and they will watch it as long as you'll let them exactly uh, for, for the most part. And it's like, and uh, it's been nice. I've been, you know, uh, uh, throttled, you know, just because not having cell service, I don't have to, you know, take the remotes and, and send them outside. Um, and it's been actually awesome uh, that they, uh, we haven't had that because lately the last like month they have not asked, I think maybe once or twice they were asked on like a, on a dreary day. But they haven't been asked or haven't been asking, hey, can we watch a movie? Can we watch a movie? That, those questions haven't been happening. And and I love it, you know, because, I mean, those weren't an option when I was a kid for sure. Yeah. So in Port Angeles area, like what is – when do you guys get rain in the summer do, at all? Or is that something that – that's blue skies? I mean, you're you're pretty far north up there. Yeah, so I'm right at the top of the peninsula there, uh, kind of in the middle between uh, the west and east edge. Um, but the the summers, it kind of just started about a week, two weeks ago. Um, but it's 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 sunny and, and warm uh, for a little while. So it, it's it's it definitely rains a lot uh, here for sure. Um, it's overcast and stuff a lot. But we usually get to two, two good months and then uh, a solid third month. Um, I, I, I think I just looked, but, uh, I think we get a hundred something odd days of sun, like a hundred plus, like 130 something days as a technical full sun, uh, a year. So, I mean, it's not like, it's not like living, you know, up in Northern Canada, but, um, you definitely get less sun than you would on the East side. Yeah. I mean, you guys are, right across from victoria island aren't you can't you see it see that oh from, yeah yeah i really want to bear hunt that island with the mountain goat deal in the washington department of fish and game are you familiar with that that's going on in olympic national forest uh fill me and I, I i don't want to get it wrong i did hear something but i didn't pay too much attention to it well i don't i i suck i just got a phone call from a buddy actually several different buddies saying hey do you want to put in for this mountain goat hunt they're Basically, I think they're trying to cull a lot of mountain goats out of the Olympic National Forest. Okay, for, that's what I had heard. Yeah. For for whatever reason, I, I don't really understand it, but and so you had to put together a team and, and send in an application. It this wasn't part of their natural draw for mountain goat tag. This was a whole separate deal where like we're taking teams of four to six guys to help us 
take care of mountain goats just south of where you live, basically. And I didn't know, at, since you live right there, have you been in those mountains? Have you seen the mountain goats? Are they really that big of an issue? Yeah, so um, it's been a while since I've been up uh, been up that high. It's it's in the park, as you stated. But there was, there was a, was it last year, or maybe it was the year before, a man did get killed by a mountain goat. Uh, yes. Gored, yep. gored to death. Uh, and, and there's, and, and they've been very aggressive as I've been, as I've heard reported, they've been getting more and more aggressive up there, um, in the area that the park operates for tourism. So, uh, that's largely the, the reason as I understand it is why they're doing this because of that guy getting killed. And then they're just still being very aggressive. Okay. What's the altitude? Like what's the highest it gets in those mountains? Uh, you can get up to 5,000 feet or get a little more. Um, but that's the highest I've been. And that's a, that's, that's a couple peaks, um, for sure. But average, I would say, uh, three to, I'd say about 4,000 would be your average, um, you know, ridge crest out and out West. Are those mountains covered in snow year round at the very tops or? Uh, no. Okay. Um, and that's, there's Roosevelt elk in there, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, I uh, admittedly have not pursued Rose- Rosie's at all, being a Washington resident. I just haven't had – you know, the season's really short here. It's like uh, I think it's maybe 12 days for archery. And I usually have other tags in other places that offer a little bit more time because time is my number one killer when it comes to getting elk on the ground. So I haven't dabbled. My good buddy Jason Phelps, he's that's what he grew up doing. And so we've talked, you know, extensively about that. But the whole mountain goat deal, like I put in, I didn't get drawn in the regular draw. And then I also put in with the team and we didn't get drawn. But I know there was people that were able to put in all over the U.S. It wasn't just a Washington resident. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure they got hammered with applications. And I don't, I think the hunt starts like into September and goes into October. And then I don't know if that's going to get much media, much ink on how many they they take out of there or whatever i'd like to see them transplant them i think mountain goats are so cool uh i'd love to see some densities happen more on my side of the state but they're definitely they're doing great but i don't know they did the same thing in the teton national park and i believe they stopped they set out to cull a ton of mountain goats in the teton national park and then um one of my buddies got to actually shoot one uh but then i think they some animal activists kind of put the kibosh on that and they stopped that so I, I didn't know if you were familiar. Sorry about that side tangent, but I didn't know if you were connected. That's in your backyard. Uh, no, no. Okay, cool. About what you just said anyways. Yeah, okay. Well, where do you go from here, man? So it's 2020. You're wrapping up on your fourth year. Marketing. Marketing's hard, but in this day and age. It's so hard. Oh, man. What is, so if people are listening, I guess this could be marketing in a sense that, I mean, Tim's my buddy, but I wanted to talk to him because I think he builds some cool things and, and anything that's kind of crafty, custom, robust, I super dig. I know a lot of people do like, but marketing and getting the messaging out and the social media thing is a whole nother monster. I don't know how to do very well either. Where are you at on that learning curve? So, um, and that has been a learning curve for sure. <laughs> uh, um, but my, my strategy is, uh, I got a couple strategies is, 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 is paying. For, I haven't paid for any, uh, ads like, you know, promoting my, my page ads, uh, yet anyways, cause I just don't know quite how they work and how to optimize that, uh, quite yet. I haven't divulged into that, but the strategy right now is, is I'm starting to get into doing affiliate, doing affi- affiliates, uh, affiliate uh, marketing, and so um, you know, just using use uh, other people who love the gear, and they can make a commission off of it or something, and and they help spread the word that way. And that's that's my goal strategy right now. Also, I've been paying for advertisement uh, through other people uh, who post, you know, gear review videos as well as uh, skit videos that feature products in it for, um, for exposure. And uh, th- those have uh, worked fairly well. And so I'm going to keep going down that path as far as uh, sponsorship of influencers slash uh, more so uh, like TV show uh, stuff. I'm going to try and poke into that as best I can. Um, I mean, I'm willing to pay, 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 you know, whatever it takes, you know, but I also – None. Everyone who I've talked to, 
to be a possible partner in sponsorship, a sponsor of mine is, is I don't, I don't, I don't just, they need to like the product, right? Like I I've sent gear out to people and, and we've talked prior and says, Hey, I think, I think you would benefit from this, et cetera, et cetera. And if, if it's not something that they want to carry or use, or if they don't like it, you know, then, then I don't want to work with that said person, not in a rude way, but you know, I want to work with people who actually use the product and do and do my marketing kind of that way. If that makes sense. I feel like that kind of jumbled up there, but no, it does. I mean, I think what you're saying, what I'm hearing is like, it makes more sense if the quote influencer or whatever you want to, I hate that word, by the way, I well, do too. whatever the person who has influence, if they can utilize your holsters in a way that's not salesy and it's organic and you can tell like they're really using it and why they use it and they can tell a story, that's good. But if it's just like, uh, some chick with her boobs hanging out or bent over slightly for me, it's just very distasteful. Um, I know it works. I know I get it. I I'm sure it works, but I don't think that's, I think that's low hanging fruit and I don't know about sustainability, but I'm also not a marketing guy and I, and I don't pretend to be one dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you're, you're right. That stuff, that, that sexualization stuff, definitely it works, but I am not into sexualizing my product and, and, and advertising my product at all. And just like what you said, uh, every time I approach somebody, I'm very clear. Like if we do end up working together, I am like, I, I am not after big corporate marketing, you know, all this stuff. It, I want you to use the gear and love the gear and it's incorporated into, into your life and into what you do. And then, and then I get a little bit of kickback from it. And, and then so does that person. So I natural, meaningful marketing is what I'm trying to do. Um, because I mean, everyone, I think everyone's kind of caught on to the whole, you know, corporate, you know, style of marketing where it's like, you know, the person behind it doesn't really care. They're just pitching it uh because they're getting paid to you know i'm not into that at all um because i wouldn't do that myself and i wouldn't want i wouldn't want anyone that i work with to do the same thing you know yeah no audiences are super intelligent honestly like they can snuff out a fake a poser somebody who's not authentic or somebody who's just trying to make a quick buck like they will sniff you out and uh it's good it's a good checks and balance but you know if you do it right do it eloquently like obviously in my job like I work with companies I I partner with them but I'm really picky who I work with and you know the gear's got to be good like that's a no brainer you I mean that's not even negotiable but after that even then it's not about a paycheck it's actually about how much the company wants to support you, what you're doing, you support them, work together to message for both brands. That's what's huge for me. And like uh, for those listening, a lot of people ask me, how do I get sponsored? Careful what you wish for. Because like a guy like you, if you want to spend any money whatsoever on on someone, you need a return on your investment. And you're going to expect that these deliverables get met. It's just, and that contract won't get renewed if they're not. Uh, so it's not, it's not always just uh, free gear or even gear and money. Uh, there, there's a price tag with everything. And, and I think that uh, the consumers are definitely super intelligent to that. So I'll be interested to see how, how you go about it, how you do it. Um, for Elk Shape, we, ha- we haven't done much paid advertising stuff. Is Everything's been pretty much organic from the go, which is slow. Right. But I think slow is good in that you really have a legit audience that that you can a community, a sub community that you can work with and really get to know. And I mean, for the followers on social that I have, I sure recognize a lot of names. I've seen a lot of pictures and I could you know, these are really down to earth people. So then my I guess my last question is now that you got your business plan how, when do you want to leave the nine to five and hopefully your employer's not listening, but when do you think you could potentially cut the cord and go all in and turn your side hustle into your livelihood? Uh, fairly soon. Uh, the numbers are slowly starting to line up, uh, but I need to do, I need to basically double my sales right now. Um, cons- consistently, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting to, 
to jump out and, and go for it here in the next few months. Um, one thing that's really helped me is, is uh, doing sportsman shows and, and exposing my brand and product that way. Those have done very well. Uh, like the, the, the Bighorn show in Spokane, which ended up getting canceled. Um, the, the trice, you know, all, there's so many shows, sportsman shows, and I did about five of them last year. And basically my employer's not going to allow me to take three months off and then come back, which is fine. You know, I, I'm, I, I honestly, I honestly would, 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 uh, am, I'm likely going to just take that big dive here in, in, uh, November and, and just cut the cord and go and go for it. Um, yeah. Because, you know, and I, at the same time, I don't want my employer to even give me the time off and, and have me come back in, in four months because I don't want that safety net. I just, you know, I don't want that safety net. You know, just the, this is kind of how my mind works. I just want to, you know, I want to take that big risk. And, uh, you know, and like, you know, I got four kids to feed and, and a wife that, you know, in a house, a house to keep up, you know. So it's like that's a it's a big risk that I'm willing to take, you know. Yeah. And uh but it's 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 one you definitely have to calculate for sure. But I'm looking at about three months, if not 10, 12 months tops. No doubt. Dude, if you're gonna gamble, bet on yourself hundred percent with you on that. I like the direct to consumer that the internet provides because before that I think you'd have to be hitting up like a sportsman's warehouse. Cabela's, Bass Pro Shops, or Shields, and try to get your product inside their store, and then it's not really custom anymore. It's kind of like a, it's not your brand. Do you think that you'll ever be persuaded, or they will approach you to try to get your product inside a big box store? Uh, 100%. Yes. Um, I'm I'm trying to develop a system to where, um, I can. I'm trying to develop a system where, where big, it's like sports warehouse. You got to stock 110 stores instantly. You can't just get into one store. Like I've yep. kind of talked a little bit. You can't just jump into one store and try her out. You have to supply every single store. So I'm not at that level yet. Um, but I definitely hundred percent think that I can and will be in those stores um, and have the ability for the consumer to go in there the, to the gun, to the gun counter and be able to order a custom holster through like Cabela's or Sportsman's Warehouse, um, and that that's something I'm 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 slowly working on um, to to develop to where I, I can approach these these big corporations and have a and have something that I can offer them that makes a lot of sense to where people can come in and get holsters for whatever they need uh, custom. Yeah, and it's almost like if you had a handful on display right then and there. They're going in. I don't. Is there a waiting period on handguns still? Like, if I'm 21 and bought guns before, can I get one the same day, or do I still got to have a waiting period? Nope, waiting period, 10 days minimum. Exactly. So, so there's 10 days where you guys could turn around that. So by the time they go to collect that gun, there's got to be a system in place where that custom holster is already at the store when they go to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. I, that's cool. I can see that happening. Awesome. Well, Tim Anderson, thanks for coming on. Guys, kind of a different podcast, but I – I like the 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 autonomy in my own podcast to go whatever direction I want. And if you didn't tell Tim, I love talking about business, and especially when it pertains to pursuing a side hustle and making your dreams come true and working for yourself. I'm all about it. I know other people get inspired just as well. Let's give you an opportunity to plug some of your stuff just so people can maybe support this small small shop opportunity and get in early before you go big, man. Uh, what's the website? What do you recommend specifically for elk hunters? Yeah. Uh, so the website is nwretention.com. Uh, Instagram is, uh, nw.retention. And the biggest thing, like we were talking about earlier is the scout. That's the biggest seller. Uh, that's highly recommended. It works with your backpack, your vinyl harness, carry case. It works underneath everything because it's so tight and compact and it's got really good weight distribution because of those wide strappings. And another big thing that's going to, turn people on with the scout is you got multiple handguns you don't need to get a full new system you can clip in a whole new just a new shell order a new shell for less than half the price of the system and you can rock whatever handgun you're feeling like that day um and then i've got a whole line of concealment holsters i got a very innovative uh outlaw series that i've named it 
it's a leather backed but kydex front uh holster and there's many there's many that kind of look like it on the market but mine's extremely special because it still has 100 percent coverage on the trigger guard and nice positive click retention on the holster and there's nothing else on the market like that uh with a hybrid design for concealed carry i got inside the waistband concealed carries outside the waistband um and that chest holster and yeah love it guys tim anderson husband father of 426 hustling on a side hustle give him a support if you're in the market use the discount code elk shape save shipping and handling get the scout customize the crap out of it you will not be disappointed appreciate you coming on tim guys remember separation is in the preparation we'll catch you on the next one thanks for coming on tim yeah thanks dan appreciate it all right guys that was a fun little podcast a little different flavor talking just a conversation with me and tim great guy i've known him for about over a year now he's super solid dude and he's pretty smart for a 26 gotta say and i love that he took elk hunting seasons off to pursue his hustle he dude's got his priorities on straight and i know he's gonna make it to the big time and i just uh super proud of you buddy keep up the hard work it does pay off guys as you're listening to this we're wrapping up september i'm still out in the mountains i hope you are too i hope you had great success if you for some reason didn't feel like you put your best effort just stew on that for the rest of the off season get up early and work harder than ever before and separate yourself through preparation we have a great offering at the elkcollective.com that's our online virtual elk course where dirk durham jason phelps john gabriel myself and all of our elk hunting buddies come on there to teach you all the things about elk hunting and the content never stops it's not like a course that just read it once and it's done we're constantly adding new videos from our own elk hunts uh, the elk shape camps and then any topics you guys have it's very user driven there's also the overdrive podcast that i do there and it's exclusive for members so go check it out if you had tag soup or if you didn't have the best season ever and you want to keep evolving your game we got you the elk collective.com appreciate you guys support have the best week ever continue remembering that separation is in the preparation it's a long off season and we'll catch you on the next one